Hello, and welcome to the Gravel Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Dalton. This week on the show, we've got Ben Renkema and Boyd Johnson, founders of the Southeast Gravel Series. As you know, I love highlighting race organizers because they're such a critical part of our community as gravel cyclists. Boyd and Ben have been putting into the Southeast gravel community for years, both as riders and racers, as well as Boyd as the founder of Boyd Cycling, a brand you may have been familiarized with through episode 30 of the Gravel Ride podcast. The team decided to create a six-event series throughout 2021, with the Fallen Creek Pinnacle Punisher actually coming up this weekend, May 8th. So if you're in the region, make sure to check that out. There are three additional races stretching out to October 2nd this year, which leaves plenty of racing to be had. Before we get into the show, I've got to thank longtime sponsor Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive daily nutritional beverage I've ever tried. As gravel cyclists, we're often required to go super deep in our training and racing to reach those milestones we're shooting for. And if you're like me, you might struggle a bit with your nutrition, and that's where Athletic Green comes in and helps. Athletic Greens contain 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green food super blend that all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet to increase energy, focus, aid with digestion, and support a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple pills or products in any given day. The key for me is I love taking a drink every morning and knowing that I've got my nutritional bases covered. For my Athletic Greens use, I like to mix it with ice, and on big days, I'll actually take it twice, once in the morning and once post-ride. I've been an Athletic Greens user for many years prior to this podcast, so I was super excited to have them come on board as a sponsor, and even more excited that they've become a long-term sponsor. If you're interested in checking out Athletic Greens, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash thegravelride. And if you do so today, they're throwing in a year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. So remember, visit athleticgreens.com slash thegravelride. With all that said, let's dive right into my conversation with Ben and Boyd about the Southeast Gravel Series. Ben, Boyd, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, happy to be here again. Yeah, excited to have you back, Boyd, and ha- happy to meet you, Ben. For, th- for the listener, we had Boyd Johnson on the show, I think it was episode 30 back in 2019, talking about Boyd's experience as a writer as well as the founder and owner of uh, Boyd Cycling, a great wheel manufacturer out there in South Carolina. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that. Boyd, you're in rarefied air of being a two-time guest on the show. I think there's only two or three others in that group. Well, it's good to be in that company. So, Cool. Ben, welcome to the show for the first time. We always start by getting a little bit of your background as a rider. So if you could just start by, just give us a quick synopsis of how you came to the sport and uh, how ultimately you ended up riding off-road on gravel bikes. Definitely. Um, So I like to tell people that I've been riding gravel since the early 2000s. Um, I grew up in Holland, Michigan. And before I even knew bike racing was a thing, I used to take my uh, crappy road bike and just bomb down gravel roads because that's what we had a lot of. Um, About a year later, I found out bike racing was a thing. Um, So I went with my best friend, um, did my first bike race, and that was kind of it. Started as a mountain bike racer mostly, 
got into road racing, um, about 2007, kind of started racing at a professional level on the road, did that all the way until halfway through 2019. Um, and then, yeah, you know, partway between that, you know, Boyd and I were teammates for a while. Um, and yeah, we both kind of had this common, um, you know, we love to explore, ride off-road, on road bikes, um, and that's kind of how Southeast Gravel came about. Nice. And if I'm not mistaken, you spent a little time with some stars and stripes on your back. I did, yeah. I was lucky enough to, you know, have won three national championships as a cyclist, um, the best one being 2017 Elite National Championships for the Criterium, um, which, you know, trying to win that race for a long time, so I was super stoked to win that. Nice. A good way to go out. And probably 2019 was a good time to end a professional career on the road, given what happened in 2020. Oh, it made it very easy to end my career then. Um, I had a, a heart condition halfway through 2019 that kind of forced me into, you know, retiring. Um, but I'll tell you what, 2020, when no one was racing, it wasn't as hard as it should have been. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet. It gave you a little bit more time to think about gravel. I imagine. Exactly. Yep. What's really important. <laughs> so gentlemen, why don't you tell everybody where in the country you're located? And then I'm excited to get into the Southeast Gravel Series. I think it's a real unique set of events. And I was excited to watch the last one unfold on Instagram. Yeah. So Ben and I both live in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, he was actually living in Florida and he was talking about moving up to Greenville. I think this was 2012. And so uh, he was working at a bike shop. He had been building some wheels. And so we actually hired him as one of our first wheel builders and got him to move to Greenville. And uh, we've been here ever since. Um, he started his own company, um, you know, outside of uh, Southeast Gravel as well. And so he's no longer working for Boyd Cycling. But, you know, we remain friends and we run Southeast Gravel together. And uh, we run that out of Greenville. And how did the series come about? Is this the first year for it or did you have events prior to 2021? So this is technically the third year. Um, It's kind of funny. The first year just sort of happened by accident. Um, I'm a big map geek. I like to go out and find new roads. And I plotted a 80-mile course down by Clinton, South Carolina, and uh after I got done with it, there was not a single Strava segment on the course. And I was like, oh, we have to turn this into an event. And so I just put out a Facebook message, um, a post, and I said, hey, Jud just did this ride. Who would be interested in a cycling event out here? And 200 people commented and said that they would come out to it. So we quickly made a bike reg uh, page, started the event, and we got 200 people to come to that first one. We really, it wasn't even Southeast Gravel at the time. We didn't really even have a name for the event or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, ben came and raced it. And I think, Ben, you got second or third place. And um, after that, we were talking about it and we knew that we had to make the series even bigger and better. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I think it was like that afternoon or the next day, Boyd's like, this is going to be a thing you know, like, I need your help. Let's do this together. And I was 100% on board. Amazing. I remember from our earlier conversation, Boyd, your love of adventure and just getting out there and discovering the lesser known gravel roads in your neck of the woods. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, when I go out for an exploration ride, it's usually by myself because, you know, sometimes I find an amazing route like that. And other times I ended up 
just hiking through the woods for a while, carrying my bike with me. It's important to know your partners when you're going out for an adventure and what they're actually going to get into for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Boyd, Boyd has a little bit of a reputation in Greenville. Um, it, it, eventually everyone started calling them Boyd rides where, you know, he would try to get his friends to come with him, but everybody knew that, okay, we're probably going to be carrying our bikes through the woods. So, <laughs> um, but it's kind of funny. It's full circle. Now people pay us for that pleasure. <laughs> nice. Can you characterize the roads of South and North Carolina that you tend to tend towards for these gravel events? So a lot of the, you know, it's very different because we've got six different events. Um, you know, most of the gravel that we have, it's, um, you know, cars can travel down the roads. There's very rarely a situation where you're going to find where vehicles can't get to. Um, the race we just had, we have a little bit of single track in there, but it's only about a mile or so. Um, some of the roads are big, chunky gravel and others are, you can ride a road bike on them, no problem. Gotcha. So as far as equipment choices go, it sounds like, you know, fairly narrow tire would suit for most of the courses. I would say um, we've, you know, we've got our first two events. Well, our first event is Clinton. Um, we actually, in 2019, our winner did it on a road bike with 32 mil tires. Um, that being said, he was a very skilled professional, um, you know, not something that everybody wants to do. And then we have I would say our roughest course is May 8th coming up, um, Falling Creek, Pinnacle Punisher. You know, that's something where you're going to really want more of a 40 to a 42 mil tire, you know, something even bigger if you want to be comfortable and have a lot of confidence because there are big boulders, there's, you know, big gnarly gravel, um, fast downhills with rough rocks. Um, and I think that's what makes Southeast Gravel so cool is it's not just one event. It's, it's very different. Yeah, so as you guys have laid it out, I believe it's a six-event series. Is that correct? Yes. And starting in March, fairly early in the season and ending in October, obviously that's a you know a full cycling season journey for the athletes. As you laid out the courses, did you think about that? And did you think about adding elevation or complexity and technicality to the courses over the, the journey of the series? Yeah, we definitely put a good amount of thought into it. Um, you know, originally the first event, which is the gravel battle of Sumper Forest, was earlier. It was kind of February. Um, but I think 2020, boy, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was like 30 degrees at the start. Um, and so we decided to move it, you know, a little later. We put it into March. Um, and kind of what we did is we took our two, you know, southernmost events um, that are, you know, lower elevation, and we put those early in the year um, because it's usually about 10 to 15 degrees warmer that far south of Greenville, which is when you go north of Greenville, kind of up into the mountains, it gets pretty cool. Um, so we stuck our our events kind of more toward the summer that are up in the mountains where it's cooler. So that was kind of our thinking for that. Um, and then also we wanted the doing air quotes here the easier course which would be the clinton and the greenwood course earlier in the year just because you know a lot of people don't have as much fitness yet so start with kind of the easier courses and are the court are you offering multiple distances for the athletes during each event yeah so uh each one has a a short and a long and you know the thing with the southeast gravel series is you know it's not the ultra endurance gravel that, you know, some events are popular with. So our distances tend to be between 
30 to 40 miles for the short course and then between 60 to 70 for the long course. Great. Yeah, I actually kind of like that. That's my sweet spot. I found the kind of extension of this ultra endurance race kind of category doesn't necessarily fit with me personally. I mean, I, I did my Leadville 100s and I did that stuff when I was a little bit younger, but now it's nice if it's 100K. I feel like I can go out there regardless of what my family duties have taken me away from my training and I can still have a great day and it can feel epic, but I'm not absolutely destroyed afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's something where, you know, we feel you can, you could do this event every weekend. Um, and it's kind of a lot of the racing that Boyd and I are personally are used to, you know, going into a criterium or, you know, sub hundred mile road race. Um, it's not something you have to train months for. I also think it's and, neat, sorry to interrupt, but I also think it's neat that you, you designed the earlier courses to be a little bit maybe more beginner and intermediate friendly, just in terms of the profile and elevation, so that someone can get into the sport early and get a taste of what riding an event might be like, and then train up and learn the technicality for those more mountainous stages or races later in the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, we we get the question all the time. It's like, well, I, I don't really race my bike. I want to come out and, you know, can I just ride this? And so having some of the, you know, easier terrain courses earlier in the season, it lets people get out. And we encourage all levels of people to come out. I mean, you know, whether you're averaging eight or 28 miles per hour, it's got a course for you. And so, you know, we've had a ton of people where each event, we have so many people where it's their first ever gravel event and they come out, they have a good time and they're hooked and they want to do more of them. And, you know, if they never want to race, it's great. We have rest stops. We've got food afterwards. It's a great community atmosphere. Yeah. How have you seen over the last few years, the gravel cycling community in the Carolinas start to grow up? Uh, it's definitely growing a lot. Um, I actually went and did a a group ride yesterday up in Brevard, which is a little north of uh, Greenville. And there's a lot of people telling me, man, I've had people coming into the bike shop here and they're buying real gravel bikes because they're like, there's this, you know, the series called Southeast Gravel and we're doing all of them and we want to get better. So, you know, we're buying a more specific bike for it. Um, and yeah, you know, my wife and I, Christy, with our company, you know, we were a coaching company and we have so many of our normal athletes that are runners, that are triathletes, road cyclists, and they're getting into gravel just because, you know, hey, everyone's doing it. I want to try it. And they try it and they just absolutely love it. Yeah, it's certainly been a great couple of years. And I, I think one of the other things I love about the series aspect of what you're doing is if you're local to Greenville and picking up a gravel bike, you can look at a series like this and just get in your mind. These are these are um, areas where I can ride and train all year long, irrespective of race day. And I can get out there and, and know where other gravel athletes are, are putting down some miles. Yeah. And on our website, one of the things we have is, you know, for every event, we have instructions for if you want to come out and pre-ride the course, here's where you park, here's the course file, uh, information like that. You know, some of our uh some of our event venues, you can't park there on race day. So we give alternate parking places so you can go out and just ride the course. That, that makes sense. That's awesome. I love that about the gravel cycling community that across the board, everybody's very giving about information. And it's, it's so great to see you facilitating that at, at the Southeast gravel website hub. 
Can we talk a little bit more about some of the more mountainous races? I think you were talking about the Fallen Creek Pinnacle <laughs> Punisher and the race to Valhalla. What, what are those courses like in terms of technicality? How much elevation, how much climbing is happening during those events? Uh, both of those, you're going to get over a thousand feet per 10 miles. Um, and I can't remember. I know that Valhalla is 69 miles with 7,400 feet of climbing. Um, that course actually has the least amount of gravel. Um, it's got some very long gravel sections, but there's road in between them. But the cool thing with that is you're in the very northwest corner of South Carolina, uh, near the Georgia and, uh, uh, sorry, North Carolina border. And um, that area, no traffic up there. You get some very cool roads, great scenery. So that's by far our hardest course, but it's also the one where it's just enjoyable to go out and ride it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, the Valhalla course, we haven't had an event there yet. This will be the first one. Um, yeah, Boyd's right. It's right at 70 miles. It's, um, 7,000 feet of climbing and it is the least amount of gravel of any of our courses. Um, but I guarantee you, I don't think anyone's going to complain about that. Um, cause the gravel is hard and the road sections that are on the course are beautiful. Um, there's some really nice paved road climbs, um, so it's not like when you are on the pavement, they're not like these kind of crummy transfer road stages where there's a lot of traffic. Um, they're beautiful. Um, and so same thing with the wall hollow course with our Clinton and Greenwood, you know, Boyd and I, we kind of whipped this course together just based off of maps and, you know, looking at, you know, uh, Google maps. And I went out there one day early in the morning and I just wrote it, you know, the 70 miles. And immediately I called Boyd. I said, this is perfect. I don't think we should change the course at all. This is incredibly ideal. And I uploaded it to Strava. And there are two people that have ever ridden the um, most of the gravel sections on the course. That's and the, the one really hard climb um, that I think is the coolest part on the course, two people have ever ridden it, so, which I thought that was the coolest thing. Yeah, that's amazing. I talked to another, um, a couple other sort of regional groups that are putting together events, and it's funny when they talk about how the locals are just sort of amazed and flabbergasted that all of a sudden on a weekend you're now getting a dozen riders out there training in these rural communities that see very little car traffic, let alone cycling traffic. Yep. Yeah, we, we get that a lot. It's, it's pretty funny. Like, um, you know, like why are all these people suddenly coming to Greenwood, South Carolina? Like, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about how this is a six race series. Are you tracking athletes performance in each race and doing a kind of overall season long competition? Yeah, so um, uh, each one of the six races, as soon as you enter one of them, uh, you're eligible for the Omnium. Um, we've got a points calculator and, um, it actually tracks it as soon as you finish, we know your Omnium results and, um, you know, we can track that. And so we do a year long series, uh, for Omnium points as well. Nice. And you're, you're a couple events down already. And I imagine, you know, a lot of the, the men and women athletes that have been attending, are you seeing throughout the series, um, different skill sets that are favoring, one type of athlete versus another start to emerge? I think so. Definitely. Um, I'm really excited for, uh, falling Creek coming up May 8th because, you know, now we start to get into the, the climbing. I was actually just talking to two of my athletes and one of my teammates. Um, 
the one did really well at the first two events, um, but he's not going to do so great at the next one um, just because he's a bigger, more powerful rider. Um, yeah, so it's it's exciting to see that, you know, if you don't do great in the flatter ones, but you're a climber, okay, well, now's your chance to shine and vice versa. Yeah, just out of curiosity with, uh, you know, you mentioned that you've got your new coaching uh, organization that you've been working on. Um, redrocketrevolution.com is the URL for the coaching services, right? Yes. Yep. And so for that athlete, the bigger guy who's, uh, you know, does well on the lower elevation and lower climbing routes, what type of transition are you making for him as a coach to try to make him as competitive as possible when it starts going uphill more? You know, it's a lot of mental, um, a lot of the people that we work with, um, you know, me being a racer, I was always a sprinter and I would go into these races and think, okay, well, there's climbing. I'm not a climber. And so guess what? The second that climb starts, you just give up and you don't even try. Um, so of course, you know, changing the training up a little bit, um, but just mental, like it is so much mental. People don't realize that, that, you know, okay, there is a lot of descending on this course still, and there's still some flat riding. You never know what's going to happen. You just get on that climb, you ride your pace that you know you can hold. Um, maybe don't try to stay with the leader, stay within your limit, um, and then race your strengths on the descents and the flats. So really, I think just kind of, you know, in between the ears, just the, the mental game. Yeah, I'm sh- there, I think there's a lot to that in gravel in general, just the idea that everybody around you is going to be suffering at some point. And this is obviously extendable to cycling in general, just knowing that everybody's going to be hurting and it's the athletes that can push through that and keep motivated, keep moving forward, always moving forward. Those are the people who are going to excel in gravel racing. Yeah. Well, and I think a good example of what Ben was just talking about, if you watch the video for the Greenwood gravel grinder, Um, after the first hard section, um, you had a lead group of five riders and, you know, you may have looked at that of like, oh, the fat, the strongest five are up the road. Um, and, but the second and third group caught up with them after like 20 miles and all of a sudden it's a whole new race. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. And I, I do want to get into your Instagram coverage cause I felt like to a degree I was there, which was awesome. I agree. I was watching it and uh, I think Ben was commentating out there and there was the lead group up the road and it felt like a foregone conclusion. And then all of a sudden, boom, you had this, this big group bridge up and it it was really fun to be part of the action. Yeah, it was cool. Um, And I think even, you know, when I was kind of doing my, uh, on the motorcycle announcing, I was like, well, this is our six rider group. Like this is it for the day. Um, but I was actually quite surprised that we had three groups once we hit the first pavement section and it all came together. So I think we had 30 people going into kind of the first hard little climb of the day. Um, and I was super surprised by that. Um, but really cool to watch that happen. Yeah. For the listener, I was watching via the Southeast gravel Instagram account the same weekend as rock cobbler was going on out in California and had some other coverage from the team at pure gravel. It was just a lot of fun as a fan of the sport to be able to see those two events. Can we talk a little bit about your vision for how to cover these events? It's incredibly complicated. You were out there in a uh, motorcycle trying to get as much footage as you can. What did, what did you learn 
And as a fan who saw it, you know, great job getting out there. What did you learn in this event? And what are you going to try to do in future events to keep fans around the country and around the region watching and, and participating from their armchairs? Yeah, totally. Um, you know, the, the coolest thing about having six events in one year is we can quickly make changes and make things better. Um, and that's, see, we have all these categories of things, you know, the food, the courses, um, the coverage. Um, so what I want to do better for the next time is I'm actually going to put some on the, someone on the motorcycle with me um, so I can get closer to the group safely um, and kind of get that you know, inside of the group coverage, you know, really see those pain faces, um, get a really good shot of, okay, who are these riders? Um, and the biggest thing that's been a struggle for, for me doing this on my own is I want to get coverage of the women's race, um, especially our first event. I mean, we had like 40 pro women out there. Um, but unfortunately as the lead moto, I have to stay with that lead group for several reasons. Um, if our course signs get taken down by some kind locals, um, I have signs that I put back up just to make sure no one gets off course. Um, and then at the few busy intersections we have, I do kind of stop the traffic for the front couple groups. Um, so what we're going to do is we're actually going to put people on course at our rest stops that are going to be logged into the Instagram. So they'll do live updates of, okay, here's the lead group of the women. Here's the second group. Here's the third group. Um, and kind of so on. Um, so yeah, we just want to kind of beef that up, not just show the very front of the race. That'll be great. So Instagram fans, May 8th is the next one. Then July 10th, following that, I'll have a, I'll have a link to the Instagram account and the website in the show notes. I think it's, it's super cool and exciting that you're out there doing that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a, a fun way to watch the race unfold. Um, when we did the first event, Clinton, it was an absolutely massive group going into the first section of gravel, um, kind of looked like Strada Bianchi with all the, all the dust. And part of me was like, I am so glad I'm not in that group. But also I was like, man, I wish I was in that group. <laughs> I can only imagine. I mean, I sort of sense that as you're giving your commentary that you'd be itching to get out there if you weren't one of the people running the event. Absolutely. Yeah, one of the challenges, I think, which is a bit of a bummer, you know, I was going through the Southeast Gravel Instagram account and, you know, the the way Instagram stories work, they don't sort of save and retain themselves. So it was unfortunate that you c I couldn't go back and rewatch any of the footage prior to this conversation. So actually, um, if you go to our Instagram account, um, I've made highlight reels. Um, oh, great. So, yeah, if you actually look down on the highlights, um, I've saved. So you've got Clinton and you've got Greenwood. So you can go back and actually rewatch all of it. And what I did is I actually also downloaded those using just the race coverage clips and made a uh, video that's on YouTube. Oh, perfect. I might have so, to. Yeah. So you can actually yeah go back to Southeast Gravel on Instagram. You can actually rewatch it, which is kind of cool. But I'm, I'm I think a lot of people. That's, yeah, it's easy to miss. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I might have to pick your brain offline to figure out how to do that myself. <laughs> it's actually kind of, I'm not a super techie person. It's it's kind of like intricate, complicated, but once you learn how to do it, it's pretty easy. Yeah, that's good to know. I did it early on in the pandemic. I started doing a little bit of Instagram live recording of this podcast and it was, oh, cool. it was fun, but at the end of the day, like it was just hard to save for me to figure out how to save that content. So I ended up moving away from it, but maybe I'll revisit it a little bit in this coming year as I get out there to some more events. Definitely. 
Is there anything else you guys want to share about? You got four more events coming throughout this season. Anything you want to share to athletes who may be planning on registering for those events or or otherwise? I think the the main message is, I mean, the people who are coming out, they're having a blast. Um, you know, you have people that worried if they're going to be fit enough to do it. Um, we've had long people or people who do the long course. And halfway through, they realized that maybe they should transfer to the short course. We can adjust the result on the fly. Um, really, we just want people coming out, enjoying the roads, having a good time. Uh, we've got a really good community atmosphere with you know free lunch afterwards. We've got a really good beer sponsor. And it's just a great time, a great day on the bike. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. And kind of to you know piggyback off that is, you know, I like to tell people, this is if you're a pro bike racer, yeah, you're going to have a lot of fun. There's awesome competition, but the mo- most of the people out here are not bike racers. And that's what I love about gravel is, you know, being a, a criterium, a road racer, it's like if you're a beginner, you go out there, like we've all seen it. You get dropped two laps in, you get pulled off the course, like, okay, I drove three hours for a five minute race. And it's probably embarrassing. Um, that's not what gravel is. You know, we have people who take who average eight miles an hour for the day and our pros usually average about 23 miles for the day so you do not have to be a bike racer to come do these events most of the people doing them are not um it's fun we've got rest stops and yeah you finish up you can drink some um you know on tap thomas creek beer um usually a barbecue or burrito so it's awesome nice and where where are you seeing riders kind of come in from to get to these events Uh, how big of a draw regionally so obviously mainly, you know, we get a lot from the Carolinas, from Georgia. Um, we've been starting to get, uh, you know, people from Florida coming up. Uh, some of our first people that registered for the whole series are from Florida. Um, recently, we've had a really big draw from the Washington, D.C. area. Um, and we've got some riders up there that are, you know, trying to get more of their friends to come down to the series. So we really appreciate that. Um, you know, I don't think because we have the six events, um, I don't think any one of them is particularly going to be a bucket list where, you know, like you have people flying from all over the world to do an unbound. Um, you know, we've got a little bit more manageable where, you know, you're coming, it's a, you know, one day or a weekend event. Uh, you don't have to plan, you know, a week and a half of travel around it. Yeah. That makes sense. So not not any one of the events is sort of deemed the the queen of the series per se. Yeah, the Clinton one, the Battle of Sumter Forest, the first one that we had, because we've had that now for three years, that's been our largest attendance. Um, it's the first one of the year people are itching to get out and ride their bike in a competitive environment. Um, I think the Valhalla one has the potential to be that really hard uh, challenge that people are looking for. Um, so each one is unique in its own aspect. Yeah. Nice. And then, you know, regionally, are you seeing more and more events crop up in 2021 that hadn't existed before? Are we starting to see a growing trend in that region for more events? I, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, obviously more gravel racing that happens. Um, you know, Ben and I have already gone and done a few races this year, um, but we've had some pretty good staples in the area for a while. Uh, Southern Cross um, up in northern Georgia. We've got Monster Cross and Pisgah. Um, we just went down into the Dirt, Swamp Dirt Diggler's Fox. pretty good. 
So there's a good series, a good amount of events that happen around here. Yeah, it certainly seems like as a region, Southeast has had gravel athletes for many, many years now that have been standouts and a lot of participants out of that region. Yeah, yeah, we get a yeah. good draw. We get a good draw because we've got such a good mountain bike scene here, and uh, the road scene's been really good too. And gravel's kind of where the mountain bikers and the road riders are starting to play with each other. Yep. Yeah, it's super interesting. Are you? Do you get a sense that more are getting drawn from one sport or the other? No, I, I, you know, what I've noticed is it's an absolute mix. Um, so Clinton, our first event this year where we just had an absolutely massive pro field for men and women. I mean, it's evenly split. Um, there's a lot of pro mountain bikers that live up in Brevard kind of Asheville area. And I mean, they were, they all came out. Um, and then we had, you know, a handful of pro road racers. Um, you know, so I think it's a really even split. And then also cross racers. We had a handful of um like legit cross racers who live up in Asheville. So I think it's a really like pretty much fifty fifty split of mountain bikers and roadies. Yeah, I guess that makes sense as the bikes have become sort of more capable. I remember starting out as a mountain bike racer, begrudgingly getting a road bike because I, I knew I needed to train on the road in order to be competitive as a mountain biker. But I suppose today you're probably not going out and buying a pure road bike. If you're a mountain biker, you're getting one of these gravel bikes and then falling in love with all the great things about drop bar riding on road and mixed terrain and then discovering, hey, this can really push me, even as a technical mountain biker, riding these drop bars on these trails can really push me and challenge me in a way that's super exciting. Definitely. Yeah, gentlemen, thank you so much for the overview of Southeast Gravel. As I said, I'll put all the appropriate links in the show notes for this, and I hope you guys have a successful series. Awesome. Yeah, you're going you're to you're come out and race with us, right? <laughs> I hope to, man. I've, I've been itching to get to some East Coast events for a long time. I thought last year was going to be a year of great gravel travel for me, but obviously that imploded. So I'm slowly getting around to the idea of, of getting on a plane and getting out there. So I would definitely love to hit some of your events. Well, we'd love to have you. Big thanks to Boyd and Ben for that invitation. And thank you for joining us this week on the gravel ride podcast. It was great to learn more about the series, and I love that it's a year-long series of events. I think it's so great for a region to have that type of cornerstone event. Here in Northern California, we have the Grasshopper Series, so it's great to hear of other regions standing up events. I'll have all the appropriate links to their websites and social media properties for you to check out. And if you're interested in more regional information as a gravel cyclist, I encourage you to join the Ridership. The Ridership is a free online forum where gravel cyclists are connecting on both a regional and macro basis, talking about all kinds of things related to gravel cycling. It's also the number one way to give me feedback at the show or get in touch with me directly. Simply visit www.theridership.com for your free membership. And if you're interested in supporting the show further, please visit buymeacoffee.com slash thegravelride. I genuinely appreciate all the contributions that have been made to date to cover the overhead of the show. It puts a little more fire in my belly to keep churning out the episodes. Until next time, here's to finding some dirt under your wheels. 